Man, I'm I'm excited about the movie review that we're going to do this week. Um, but I've been thinking like I'm like, man, especially because I gave it, you know, my perfect 50 milliliter score. I I'm like don't we sooner or later have to review 2001 A Space Odyssey? Like, I, I've just been thinking of Kubrick films lately, and I'm like, there's so many. Ziddy. Oh, Ziddy. What have I told you I already have for you? What have I told you? I've looked at this film along with our favorite Lord Stanley. And I ain't talking about the Stanley Cup. I'm talking about Stanley Kubrick. What if I told you I've looked at it in such an angle that I'm willing to say he might have filmed the moon landings in after he did 2001. Stanley Kubrick. Our boy. Yes, Stanley Kubrick. The director. The director. The director, Stanley. Full metal jacket, eyes wide shut, Lolita, a clockwork orange, room 237, 2001 A Space Odyssey. You mean The Shining? Uh, (laughs) The Shining. That plays into it, too. All yes, our boy Stanley, what if I were to tell you that his greatest film was the moon landing? Oh, my God. You're telling me that... Would you believe me, Zit? I... Uh, possibly. Possibly. I'm telling you, our boy Stanley. I'd have to hear some type of explanation. I, I mean, I've heard rumors, but I hear rumors on a lot of things. I, our I, boy Stanley, Zit. I swear our favorite director, the guy we hold higher than any film person out there. I did the research for you, Zit, and all I'm saying is it's possible, but probably not probable. Okay. Are you willing to listen? I'll hear you out. Okay. So I first want to state that I am no scientist. I'm no rocket scientist. I'm no astrophysicist. I'm no, um, you know, anything, no engineer, no nothing, never will be. But I want to present to you something that's big in the United States history. And no matter what side you may be on, I'm not here to persuade you either way. I just want to lay out what built up to this moment that so many people have debates over, whether it happened or didn't happen. And that's the moon landing of July of 1969, when Neil Armstrong, Buzz Aldrin, and Mike Collins supposedly went to the moon and came back. But I don't want to start there. Like I said, I want to build up to it and figure out what happened, why it happened, and how did we get to that point before we solve the big mystery, which, by the way, no one's ever going to solve. We're never going to know what's right or what's wrong. So we start with Warner Von Braun. Now, according to a 2002 report by Dr. Michael Neufeld, senior curator, Smithsonian National Air and Space Museum, an author of the biography Von Braun, Dreamer of Space, Engineer of War, and other accounts provided by news reports and scholars. Von Braun was born in Germany in 1912 to a well-connected noble family in then the German Empire. He attended various schools in Berlin and before graduating with a doctorate in physics in 1934, one year after the Nazi party and Adolf Hitler took control of Germany. By 1937, he was a technical director 
of a secret army rocket program presiding over hundreds of workers. It was the same year that he joined the Nazi party. By 1942, three years into the war, they're speaking of World War II, he was leading the world's first ballistic missile project known as the A-4 or the V-2. He was still only just 30 years old at this time. It was well documented that von Braun did not wish for his rocket technology to be used to deliver munitions to cause harms to other people, noted Newfield's biography. Suspecting that Braun von was a communist sympathizer and that he planned to escape to England with the plans for the V-2. Heinrich Himmler, chief of German police and one of Hitler's most trusted officials, had him arrested. According to von Braun's own account, he spent two weeks in prison before being released to continue his work on the V-2. In 1944, hundreds of his rockets were launched at London, England. Von Braun later stated that he, sorry, that the rocket would work perfectly except for the landing on the wrong planet. His ambition was to land on the moon. By early May 1945, sensing defeat in World War II, von Braun and his team surrendered to the U.S. military. Within five months, von Braun arrived in the U.S. by 1950. Von Braun was moved to Huntsville, where he would continue to develop rockets for military application. Within the decade, he moved to the newly created NASA and was helping lift satellites into space and planned for historic moon landings that were to come. It wasn't until the mid-60s that people began to question his role in the Third Reich. So, basically what we have here is a guy that was born in Germany. We're talking about the moon landing. We're talking about you telling us that potentially the United States of America may not have gone to the moon in 1967. That's what you're telling us? Maybe not. That's exactly what I'm telling you. But we got to start from the beginning. This is the godfather of rockets. This is the father of NASA, a neo-Nazi that was basically part of Operation Paperclip, which is, you know, World War II ended and then the Cold War started, which we were trying to get allies from the countries that were just freed of Germany or, you know, and by one of those things we were doing was go to Germany, get the smartest scientists, bring them back so we could you know, be in an arms race and win that race against Russia, which at the time was the Soviet Union. This guy, they say if he was alive today, he would be charged with crimes against humanity. So he was literally, I mean, you heard it. He was one of Hitler's right-hand men had him arrested because he was so important. They didn't want him to get out of there. They didn't want these plans to go nowhere else. And NASA, we hire him. So this is the father of the rocket, okay? That's all I'm trying to say. And we brought him over here from Germany at the end of World War II. Which, like I said, led into the Cold War. Um, when he died, show, him, show us that picture, Ziddy. He wanted this on his tombstone. It's Psalm You're talking 19- about the tombstone, right? You guys can see yes. this. Can you guys see that? See it. Warner this von Braun, 1912 <laughs> to 1977. Psalms 19.1. In the King James Version, it reads this. The heavens declare the glory of God, and the firmament sheweth his handiwork. Now, that can be translated many ways. Um, Just interesting that the father of NASA, the father of rockets, missiles, 
uh, neo-Nazi stolen from Germany by the U.S. Just kidding. Sorry. <laughs> wow. Would put that on a headstone. So, after we take this man from Germany and have him work for us, obviously the Cold War started between us and Russia. The Cold War was a period of geopolitical tension between the United States and the Soviet Union and the respective allies, the Western Bloc and the Eastern Bloc, which began following World War II. Historians do not fully agree on its starting and ending points, but the period is generally considered to be the span of 1947 to 1991. The term Cold War is used because there was no large scale of fighting directly between the two superpowers. So, us versus Russia. Like I said, it's an arms race. It's technology. It's basically like running for class president, trying to get allies and new you know, countries, this, that, to be a part of you now. And we're better. We got this, you know, oh, blah, that. Things started to heat up in the Cold War in 1957 when the Soviet Union launched Sputnik. Now, Sputnik was the world's first artificial satellite. The national thought on it was pure terror because there was now a Russian satellite that was going to go over the USA four to five times a day through orbit. US, the USA couldn't even get men into orbit and had over 20 failures to do so. So at this point in our country, we're in the Cold War with the Soviet Union, and all of a sudden they launched this thing. Now, I, it doesn't look very impressive, but it was the world. Why does it look like it's satellite. on a string? Right. I was going to say. I, why is, I, I'm not saying you guys this can is, see this, right? Like, why this does is it look? Sputnik. It looks wrong? like it looks like something that's in somebody's front lawn, like you know those crystal, those clear chrome balls that like people put on display in their in their front lawn. I don't know. Yeah, it look, I don't know. It, it looks weird, but first artificial satellite, um, they didn't know what it could do. Um, the big fright was nuclear war when the Cold War was going on. Um, so 1957, they launched this Sputnik. We have Warner Von Braun working for us at NASA trying to make rockets. And then 1961 comes around four years later after Sputnik is launched by the Soviet Union. And President Kennedy had this to say in a speech. Ziddy, can you play that for us? Let's hear it out. This is a this is a revolutionary speech. I think people should really listen to this. No man can fully grasp how far and how fast we have come. But condense, if you will, the 50,000 years of man's recorded history in a time span of about a half a century. Stated in these terms, we know very little about the first 40 years, except at the end of them, advanced man had learned to use the skins of animals to cover them. Then about 10 years ago, under this standard, man emerged from his caves to construct other kinds of shelter. Only five years ago, man learned to write and use a cart with wheels. Christianity began less than two years ago. The printing press came this year. And then less than two months ago, during this whole 50-year span of human history, the steam engine provided a new source of power. Newton explored the meaning of gravity. 
Last month, electric lights and telephones and automobiles and airplanes became available. Only last week did we develop penicillin and television and nuclear power. This is a breathtaking pace. And such a pace cannot help but create new ills as it dispels old. So it is not surprising that some would have us stay where we are a little longer to rest, to wait. If this capsule history of our progress teaches us anything, it is that man in his quest for knowledge and progress is determined and cannot be deterred. We shall send to the moon 240,000 miles away a giant rocket more than 300 feet tall on an untried mission to an unknown celestial body and then return it safely to earth but why some say the moon why choose this as our goal and they may well ask why climb the highest mountain why 35 years ago fly the atlantic we choose to go to the moon in this decade and do the other things so little review we have in this decade in this (laughs) decade jfk said (laughs) like it (laughs) decade but edward von braun we have a neo-nazi that we took from germany to run nasa in our rocket program over at the united states uh then the cold war starts between us and the soviet union they launch sputnik the world's first artificial satellite in 1957 this was 1961 President Kenny, obviously they're losing the war, uh, the space race, anything you want to say to the Soviet Union. Um, so he doubles down and says this speech and says, we're going to send three men to the moon. We're going to send a 300 foot rocket and we're going to return them safely and tells this to the nation. So 1961, he says, we're going to do it by the end of the decade. So we got till 1970, 1969, whatever you want to say. Let's fast forward to 1965, four years later. We have this photo of mine and Greg's favorite, Lord Stanley Kubrick, with NASA officials. Now, there are five men in this photo, six if you count the one in the back. And starting from left to right, the first man in all white is Frederick Orwary III, a NASA advisor. The second man is Donald Slayton, a U.S. astronaut. The third man is Arthur C. Clarke, sci-fi author. He's actually the writer of 2001, A Space Odyssey. The next man is obviously Lord Stanley Kubrick. And then the man to Stanley's right is George Mueller, the senior administrator of the Apollo Project. The man in the back is unknown. But this is in 1965, so just let that sink in, boys. Four years before the moon landing. Stanley Kubrick looks very young in this photo. You can see this, right, man? Seems like a setup. Yeah, can you guys see, see this? Yeah, this yeah, is yeah. insane how how young Kubrick looks. I've never seen him look this young. I don't know if I've ever seen a photo he looked this young in. But why is he walking with NASA officials? That's very... Why is he with NASA officials? That's all I'm raising the question here. Is I mean, it's it's weird. Uh, wait, 1965. So three years before 2001 comes out, four years before the moon landing. This photo is taken. 
It's a little, it's a little peculiar. I just don't know why a, a movie, you know, mogul would be with people from NASA. And who's this guy on the left? He looks like he's going to golf. I don't know about him, but uh, he, he was definitely on his way. <laughs> he's, he's like, he, he's just like, all right, I'm going to shoot a three under. I'm Jack Nicholas. All right. Okay. Very oh, good. Sorry. I'm sorry. That's not the astronaut. That's the NASA advisor. I'm sorry. Okay, very good. The one next to him is the astronaut. Does he not look like a golfer though? <laughs> He does. No, he looks like he was just he's going to play nine or he just got back. But so this is 1965. Stanley's taking a picture with all these NASA people. Strange. NASA's underway. They're trying to get to the moon. We're halfway through the decade. And there was an astronaut picked to be the man that landed on the moon. And his name is Gus Grissom. This is the year 1967. And like I said, NASA's nowhere near their goal to get men on the moon. But they have chosen that Gus Grissom's going to be the first astronaut, or first human, I should say, on the moon. Gus was NASA's most beloved astronaut and was selected to be the first man on the moon, along with his two crew members, Edward White and Roger Chaffee. Along with Gus, he was loved by all. Or sorry, although Gus was loved by all, he was also known as the most critical and outspoken of all the astronauts. He would prepare reports for NASA, Congress, and the Flight Center to inform them that the space progress was fa- falling apart, and he claimed that the scientists were sacrificing safety for speed. His concerns were ignored by all, and Gus and his crew decided to break ranks. The three men took a picture of themselves praying to a model of their space capsule. Ziddy, pull that up. No one knows why they took it. It was never said why they took it, but they did take this picture. It is weird. The first time I saw this, it kind of jarred me. I'm like, why? You know, I've seen people pray to a cross. Why are they praying to this object? Uh, It it was befuddling. Jimmy's going to explain it, but it is, when you see it, a little odd. A little odd. Looks like he's almost laughing in the middle there. And that's Gus. That's Gus. He was the chosen one. So, unfortunately, Gus and his crew had an accident preparing for the Apollo 1 mission, um, doing, I believe it was a launch test, a safety launch test. And Ziddy's got some audio for us to hear. Can you play that? So during this test run, obviously, as you heard right there, this is Gus Grissom screaming for life in a fire. And I don't know if you guys heard after hearing. Clip, yeah. Yeah. How are we going to make clip. it to the moon if we can't talk between two buildings? I'm going to play just the first part again. That that is jarring to me. So that's the last thing he says before, obviously, he has to go into protocol and try to escape for his life. Um, unfortunately, all three crew members did burn in a tragic fire, and they all did die. None of them survived. And it was said that days before the, the crew died, Gus, without permission, had an impromptu press conference 
Gus also hung a lemon on the command module simulator to show the world how worried he was about the technology. And take a look at this picture of the lemon he hung. Literally hung a lemon on a clothes hanger to insinuate that this piece of machinery is a lemon. Jimmy and I joked about the idea in in prep for this show. Is this where the whole lemon law came from? Is this where the term, oh, that thing's a lemon. Everybody hears, oh, car, my car's a, it, my car's a lemon. Know, I know you guys can't see these photos. We don't run out of a visual medium, but I promise this is for us. we're all going to be on this Instagram. They're, I promise we're going to post all these. Everything they're looking at, it will be on attached to this. So no worries. But yeah, take a look at this. So he went to a press conference that he was not supposed to, and he took this picture. And then I believe it was... A week later, I could be wrong on that. That's when the accident happened. We may or may not get banned. One more time, just to hear the fear in Gus Grissom's voice. How are you gonna get the moon? We can't talk between two or three buildings. Yeah, that's terrible. Yeah, and after this incident, uh, the space program was suspended temporarily, but they never really said how long because obviously it did progress. So this was in the year 1967, two and a half years before the initial launch. So let's forward to 1968. April 2nd is the release date in theaters of 2001 A Space Odyssey. Ziddy, you want to give a little rundown of what it's about, the movie, since it's one of your favorites, for those yes. that don't know? Yes, it is about sending people to the moon, and it's about trying to seek out an omnipotent being, and I say omnipotent, but it's more foreign, it's a foreign object that had showed itself on Earth, and ultimately they discover on the moon, and so they make a trip to the moon to investigate. And if you see the movie, the rest unfolds from there. But that's what it's based around. And the imagery in the film, 1968, as Jimmy mentioned, 2001 A Space Odyssey, looks as real as anything that you could ever imagine that was done in 1968. It's the first space movie ever, basically. There was like nine before it, but just to give you some reference, Journey to the Seventh Planet was made in 1962. Ziddy, show them this picture just to... Show them the difference between this "quote unquote" space movie versus Stanley Kubrick. This is what this is what space movies looked like before Stanley Kubrick all of a sudden made uh, <laughs> two thousand one. What, what year was this? Nineteen sixty-five. Got on his shelf. <laughs> this is what space movies looked like before Stanley Kubrick, who you just saw in a photo walking down the street with uh-huh. NASA officials. Uh-huh. He just wanted to get the inside scoop of what it's like, you know. Yes, until you see 2001 A Space Odyssey released in 1968 that looks like high-def moon-like footage. It's kind of jarring. 2001 is the first film that showed what traveling and living in space is really like, and it terrifies you. Special effect designer and director Stanley Kubrick 
was the recipient of the Academy Award for Best Visual Effects and the only Oscar he would ever win. And, I mean, you can ask Ziddy and Alex, that scene they go to the moon for the monolith looks looks pretty damn real. Looks pretty moonish. Looks, I mean, this is one year before the moon landing now, okay? We're at 1968. He directs this. We already saw a picture of him with NASA officials. I'm not saying he did it. I'm just saying it's it's possible that maybe he was a plan B. Maybe they did have every intention to try to go. Maybe Gus was trying to warn us and say, we can't go. I'm not going to get on this shit. Are you crazy? You're going to send me up in this? Who knows? But now we're here. Okay. We're at 1968. We're one year out. And then 1969 comes. And let's keep in mind this too. Whether we really went or we didn't, who's the president in 1969? Does anyone know off the top of their head? Because obviously Kennedy gave the speech in 62, but he died in 63. So does anyone know? Tell us. Uh, 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 Nixon. Correct. He was the president in 1969. And for those that don't know, he was the 37th president. And he was also one of the three, I think. I think it's three. I could be wrong on that. That was impeached. Um, Watergate. We're not going to get into why, but greed, corrupt, lies, all this fit Nixon. Okay. All of it does. So whether we were really going or we really did go or we faked it, this was a guy that was involved. He had to have been. He was the president of the United States while this went on. Okay. Important to know, in my opinion. So 1969, July 16th, Neil Armstrong, Buzz Aldrin, and Michael Collins go to the moon. Ziddy, I have a few pictures. Let's um, pull those up. These are, you know, the, what, what they release. This is supposedly what Buzz Aldrin took of the earth. And people will say, where are the stars? You can't see any stars uh, in the press hold conference. Up, hold up. No stars. Well, the camera quality can't pick up stars, right? Here's the first thing that I noticed in this photo. I asked Jimmy when he showed me this. I said, this is the photo from 2001 A Space Odyssey, right? He goes, no, this is allegedly the photo that they displayed oh. from the moon. Wouldn't that? That didn't even look shit, real. I mean, yeah, I, I get it. Being like black and white. <laughs> Well, yeah, and there's no stars, but like the camera can't pick up stars, right? There's no way. It's too small. Yeah, man, if you go outside and take a picture of the sky, don't you get the stars in the background? Yeah, because I have an iPhone that's way superior than any 1969 technology. It doesn't. I'm just telling you what people say. I'm not saying (laughs) that. You don't got shit on me, Aldrin. I'm not a scientist. (laughs) I'm not a photographer. You could be absolutely right. I have no idea, nor will I ever know. This is another picture they bring up. This is the flag, obviously. Now, it is. Why is it, it rippling? I'm still confused why it's rippling. That's, the, why the is wind. the flag that's, rippling? That's the, the wind. What, that's what the weird part is. Was there a fan left on? Was it AC? Uh, it's supposed to be a vacuum. There's no atmosphere on the moon. Supposedly, if you put something in motion in a vacuum, it'll stay that motion until it's disturbed. I don't know. I'm not a scientist. I have no idea. But that's, you know, what people will debunk it with that say, well, it's moving, you know, this, but I agree with them. There's no atmosphere on the moon. I, I don't get it, but that's another picture. Uh, let's go to another one. Here we go. So this is Mike Collins. Now, if you guys see on the left, you can clearly see he's like, you know, Oh, go back. Go ahead. Keep going. You can clearly see he's, you know, 
doing a test run of whatever he's doing and then they flip the photo and in in full uniform right like he's the photo on the left that we're showing people and this is not a visual medium but he's he's in equipment that is in some type of practice room on earth right and then the flip side of the photo was also shown that was supposed to be him doing his spacewalk quote unquote outside the shuttle but you can see they just flip flop the they flip-flopped the photo and then just blacked everything out on the photo on the right to say that that's space, no stars again. But even if you listen to the post-press conference, Mike Collins, they ask him about the stars, like, how were the stars? And the first thing he says was he didn't see any stars. But then he wrote a book years later, and he said how amazing they were when they first got there. So there's inconsistencies. And if you've never seen the post-conference, press conference, when those three get back, I'm no psychologist. I'm, you know, I can't, I play poker and I can read people to a degree, but these three look nervous. They don't look like they just went to the moon and got back and now they're on the ground again. Thank God. Um, They look like they're lying. They look like they're bullshitting, but if you want to check it out, you can go anywhere, look at it, see for yourself. Um, Here's a picture. This was supposed to be two separate photos Two different landscapes, but you can clearly see the mountains in the back are exactly the same. And what's this supposed to be? Uh, that was that is the eagle on the right. That is what they took to the moon from the shuttle. So Mike Collins was in the shuttle, like orbiting above the moon, and then Neil and Buzz were sent down in this, the eagle, to get on the moon. Yeah, I just I don't know, man. I've never really agreed with anything that I was been told about the landing anyway. So this is uh it's just interesting. It doesn't add really up, John. Well what I'm seeing from the photo on the left that if people could see is this is actually what they displayed in the practice runs like on TV. And then on the right all of a sudden what they said that happened on the moon, there's zero difference other than there's the moon rover and which is a little bit jarring. Yeah, it's just, it's interesting. That's all I'm saying. It's interesting. Another interesting fact people bring up is, and this even goes on till now, like when you go to an airport with film, if it's undeveloped and you put it through that x-ray, even that small amount of radiation will ruin the film. You're talking about, I don't know how much more radiation when you got to go through the radiation belts to get to the moon, but you're telling me all these pictures came back crystal clear. Everything was great. Nothing got destroyed. I mean, it's 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 all very interesting. Well, Gus said it himself. How the hell are we going to make it to the moon if we can't talk between two buildings? Yeah, no, I know. So, so they come back. The post-press conference is bullshit. You should give it a listen if you ever get bored. They all seem like they're lying. Um, they're, they look down. They're not looking at people. They say, this isn't going to be a regular press conference. We're going to do it our way. It all looked very like they got debriefed very hard before this but that where so so where does it where does it take us to to the to the tie-in with the shining because this is all very evident i don't think it's really deniable i think you're giving the people a way to to an avenue to investigate where does where does this tie in with what we talked about with the shining and room 237 that was 1969 between 1969 and 1972 we had seven apollo missions Six were successful, supposedly went to the moon, came back. One, I believe, was the Gemini mission. That's the one that failed. They got up there, and I think they had to turn around because they 
calculated they couldn't get back if they were to keep going. But anyway, so six out of seven. So 1980 release date for The Shining was this Stanley Kubrick's Boon Landing Confession. The scene starts off in the hotel with the manager who meets with Jack has an American flag on his desk with an eagle looking over them. This is taken as a nod to the eagle, which I just showed you guys in that picture, which was the name of the lunar landing module that carried Apollo 11. The dead twins. In the book by Stephen King, there was a single dead boy, but it's believed that Kubrick used the twins to signify the failed Gemini mission by NASA. Gemini, for those that don't know, is Latin for twins. Danny Sweatshirt. Zip, pull this one up. He's seen wearing an Apollo 11 sweatshirt, as you can see right here. Clear in the day. movie. In the movie. In the movie. Look at An Apollo nice 11 <laughs> sweatshirt in the film. There's nice close-up. The carpet, which you can see behind them, but Ziddy, pull up that comparison. Now, this is a bit of a stretch, but I can see where you can, where conspiracy, you know, theorists would get, you know, their panties in a bunch. Um, Not that one. That one right there. Zoom in a little bit. So the unique carpet and people have talked about the carpet and how bizarre it was before even all, you know, this moon landing stuff. But there is the launch pad of Apollo 11 right there. Looks kind of similar to the carpet. Yeah, yeah, I, I can agree. see it, mm -hmm. but a bit of a stretch, I will say. Room 237 in the book by Stephen King, the room number was 217, but it's believed that Kubrick changed it to 237 because of the distance between the earth and the moon is roughly 237,000 miles, depending on what time of the year it is. Ziddy, insert the room photo, baby, even though we all know it's 237. It's believed he changed that because of the distance to the moon. Not the highest of quality pictures. And then this one's kind of like the launch. It's on the tag, photo. though. It's on the tag in yeah. the movie, in a scene. You can stop it and pause it on if you want. Though. You can you can see it if you want to turn on The Shining for yourself and pause it. You can see the room key hanging out of the doorknob 237. And then last but not least, all work, no play makes Jack a dull boy. Pull that one up, Ziddy. I know we all know that scene. Don't it's have like, it, Jimbo. We don't have anything that we need to show them there. But we know if you've seen the film and you've seen the writing, that's where it ends that you see, you know, Jack essentially go insane. And on, like I said, it says all work, no play, make Jack, it makes Jack a dull boy. Written a thousand some times the, over. And some of the alls look like A11. I'm not going to lie. When you look at them, some of them are mistyped. Some of them are spelled capital A space LL or capital one one, you know, so. Bit of a stretch, but it, you know, I guess maybe if he's trying to, you know, trick us and show us A11, Apollo 11. So was that his confession? Who knows? Who the hell knows? Or was he just making fun of all of us that thought he shot the moon landing? He, he was in a photo with the NASA experts. But in mm -hmm. 1965, we did see him with NASA experts. So just a quick review. Which, which, why, which, why, why would a director why would he be, be with? Can you pull that picture up again, please? Of course. Movie. What if they watched his movie and thought, my God, that looks real. We need you. Have, have or we been we back? hear you're shooting a space movie. We have He's the one right there. In, uh, in, uh, Stanley Kubrick. Yeah, right there. Uh -huh. is the one we with the have not been blood. back to the moon since. since we have had only failed efforts. 
Very odd. It's just something to think about. Like I said, I didn't, I don't, I'm not trying to persuade you that this is what happened and this is how it went down. I have no idea. I'm just presenting to you dates and events that did happen in chronological order that fit. Maybe, maybe he did. I mean, ask yourself this, boys. What's easier right now to go to the moon, take some pictures and film some stuff or to go to Hollywood and pretend that you went to the moon and try to sell it right now alex if somebody said would you rather would it be easier to go to the moon right now or film it somewhere else what would you say right now i mean even the pictures of the earth that we get um uh, i don't even so what do you think that they would say in 1967 let's just go to uh let's go to hollywood baby Hey, or let's you know. Speaking of Hollywood, NASA. hey, <laughs> NASA. you heard it here first. Jimmy is just trying to give the listeners a way to pique their interest. Maybe they go look at it. Maybe they don't. Maybe we were lied to. Maybe we weren't. Why haven't we been back? None of us are sure. Elon says that we're going to Mars. Elon says we're going to Mars. Maybe we are. Maybe we're not. But it's food for thought. And I think you should consider it. Thanks. For if listening. I had to pick, I would say, hey, let's go to the studio, boss set the cameras. I'm do a little training for my act on landing on the moon. And yeah, I believe what Jimmy just went through is, you know, changed my mind, changed my view. And I think you you did that. Well, Thank you. let's hope. Thank you, Jimmy, for the hard work. We're going to review a movie here when we come back and we're going to leave you with this. And now 